On this episode of AV Week, we take a look at the return of possible AV trade shows, AIMS and the AIMS Alliance and AV over IP, and cinematic displays in the conference room. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 561, recorded Friday, May 20th, 2022. Now, not normal. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Draper. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, a young lady that I got to meet during the pandemic. I got to meet in person, live, in real life, holy crap, uh, in Barcelona, and she is still over in Europe. I am not. Bren Walker uh, from Kierkegaard. Welcome, ma'am. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be back, and it was just a delight to finally meet you in person. Absolutely. It was fantastic. Very, very exciting. There was a lot of that last week, wasn't there? There was, there was cause a handful of us connected during the pandemic and connected, you know, through Twitter, through social, through other re- reasons. And, and last week was one of the first of, of many uh, kind of real in life, in-person meetings. So yeah, it was cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I built my team during the pandemic. So, you know, you can do anything. Absolutely. Uh, also with us, a couple of guys that I, I at least know their companies and I know some of their folks uh, in real life, but not in, uh, not met these guys. First, George Herbert uh, from uh, Epifan. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. And Matt Davis from our friends over at PTZ Optics. Welcome, sir. Yeah, thank you. Excited to be on the show. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of last week, speaking of ISC, uh, first story comes to us from our friends over at uh, at Rave. ISC tops 43,000 attendees. Really quick note here. In the past, and especially at CES and NAB this year, the attendee count, from, from my estimation, from what I've been able to read, includes everybody, the manufacturers, and the whole shebang. What Avixa, Cedia, and Integrated Systems Europe are trying to do is do what's called qualified or qualified attendees. What that means is, as Bren and I walked through the turnstile every day and they scanned our badge, our digital badge, and we'll get to that in a second, um, we, would get, we would be counted once. That's it. Over the course of the four days. George and Matt, because they're exhibitors, they would not be counted, right? So in the past, they would have been counted at the 80,000 number uh, of ISC at its height at 2019. However, what they're trying to do is, is give vendors a little bit more realistic, uh, realistic number, a real more, a little bit more real number. Uh, and again, again, also it gives you a percentage of, oh, hey, we had a thousand scans out of the 43,000. So this is kind of how, how we were, how we did from a ratio standpoint. So kudos to them for, for going down that road. Um, but Gary Kay writes about this, says, you know, 43,151 uh, countries, and according to ISC, 90,000 visits to the show for. Again, what that means is that, again, Brent and I walked through uh, all four days, so that is part of that 90,000, but the 43,000 uh, is, is, you know, her and I being counted once. Um, Matt, when it, when it comes to, uh, or George, rather, when it comes to, um, you know, this, this looking at this and, and seeing where we're at, uh, what does this mean for shows? What does this mean for the industry? Yeah, well, I mean, first, great explanation, and, and thanks for that explanation on, on the counts, because as someone who's been to ISE 
in the past, but hasn't been there quite some time now, of course. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend this one. Um, you know, that I looked at those numbers and went, is that good? <laughs> and kind of was questioning. And then I heard from my colleagues who did attend, and they said it was a great show. Uh, they had a great time. They said, you know, obviously, business wise, they were super positive about it. I've been chasing leads all week on things they brought in. Um, so I think in a large part, this and, you know, I guess for us, the media show before it, and maybe Matt will talk about this too, was, was NAB. Between the two, it felt like, yeah, shows are back uh, in, a, in a pretty significant way, at least from a manufacturer standpoint. We might still have a ways to go. Um, you know, I heard a lot of people talking about how uh, Barcelona is not quite as large physically as a, as, a, as a venue as Amsterdam and stuff like that. And, you know, I think people will get used to those things and in, in, in that change and that shift. Um, I personally was looking forward to a change of scenery from previous years in, in Amsterdam to Barcelona. And hopefully next year I'll, uh, I'll get to experience that. Matt, same kind of question. What does this say about the industry? Uh, you know, I think things are back. There's actually a really interesting aspect to this, I think, that uh, we've been tossing around. And that's well, we've seen, quote unquote, lower attendance numbers. It's almost like a filter that's gone on. Um, so the people that are actually attending this, this is their living. You know, this isn't just people tinkering around that are coming out for the shows at this point. Um, these are people that are truly invested in what this industry is doing. So everybody who's coming to your booth, anyone you're interacting with, you know, this is a great person to know whether they're even interested in your products or not. These are people who are heavily invested in seeing our industry succeed. Um, so we found it to be incredibly helpful. A lot of amazing leads came out of it. And I feel like it was even better for the attendees because we could actually spend more time with each of them as a result of it. Um, so overall, you know, it made me feel really good about it. And I, I think, you know, we might not see those attendance numbers go back up, but I think if we were to look at the remote uh, or the remote viewers of the content being produced there, um, you know, we would start to see things equal out, if not go well beyond numbers we ever saw before. I would echo that and just say, you know, that's that's the trend we've certainly seen in the past little while is that, yeah, it feels like the numbers might be down, but the you know, as a manufacturer, people selling things, the quality of those leads is significantly higher uh, to Matt's yes. point. And that's, yeah. that's ultimately, as a manufacturer, we want. And I think, Matt, you were alluded to this as well, is that if we get to have a longer quality conversation um, instead of eating up a few minutes here and there for people who are just trying to fill their bag with swag, awesome, right? <laughs> that's ultimately a win for us. And I think that's exactly what what we've seen. Yeah, now I will say, I... I, I do miss one little aspect though the people that would come with their really really crazy ideas like maybe this isn't a money-making idea but like have you ever tried to make your products do this it's like never even thought about it but now you've got my brain spinning maybe better done on twitter um i think that i think that the, you hit on a point matt that i think is really important you know with all of the organizations that i've been involved with that have done things online in the last two years, um, somewhere there's this reference to getting back to normal. And, and I think we should just forget about that, you know, and should just be in now. And now what can happen is that people who might not have known about ISC before, I knew about ISC, but it never occurred to me to go, really, honestly, before meeting Tim and meeting other people, getting more involved with the VIXA, 
and realizing, okay, this is something that I should check out and maybe prioritize. And being able to get to know people online was a huge driver for me actually showing up in person. And just like organizations have been doing things online, they've been finding they have new audiences because of this online exposure or digital exposure or however, whatever you want to call it. So I think that there's an opportunity to actually bring more people if we don't just say, let's get everybody back in person. Everybody doesn't have to be in person. And there are a lot of people who can help grow the industry without showing up in person. So it, to me, it's a chance to really be expansive and to think differently about how people are engaged and letting them decide how they want to be engaged. If they want to come in person, great. If they want to do things that are just online or they can only do things online, give them that because maybe five years from now, they'll show up in person. So I think there's a unique opportunity to not look back, to not try to be normal again, but to be now and to really seize. The thing that I was impressed by at ISC was the focus on digital art and the elevation of projection as an art form. And that to me is a tremendous opportunity for us as an industry because it, it touches all sorts of people that we, that may not have any idea what we do. You know, and they may have no idea about the plumbing behind a, a, a big, a big, you know, presentation like what was done on the block of Discord in Barcelona. What to, to that point, though, Brent is is one of the things that, that ISA and, and Mike Blackman and his team, uh, Mike Blackman's the the show director, the, uh, the gentleman that, that runs ISA, what they've done on purpose, very purposefully, over the last few years, even in, in Amsterdam uh, before they left, was to show the city what this show is about, right? Uh, they had projection mapping on the water uh, in Amsterdam uh, three years ago or two years ago. Uh, this year, they had uh, a, a, a building that Gaudi designed. They had uh, Rafik Dahl did a projection mapping on it. And then he sold it as an NFT for one and a half million dollars later that week. <laughs> so, you know, it, 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 it's, it's really interesting to see kind of how uh, that team has been able to kind of wrap the city around what, what this show is about and kind of get the, get their buy-in, I think is really, really fascinating. I think that's important, but I think I'm, Brent, I'm glad you mentioned it as well, but I think the, the, the hybrid aspect, at least that's how we see it uh, here at Epifan, because it's something that we picked up on very quickly the first few days of the pandemic was as everyone tried to pivot and do things uh, in, a, in a hybrid way, that's been extremely successful for us in our corner of, of the world of business. And that hasn't really slowed down. And I think it won't, I think, that box is open, that Pandora's box is open now. And I think exactly your point, Brent, it means that we don't have to restrict people who might, for whatever reason, be able to travel to the show, but want to participate. There's a whole new avenue, there's a whole new path and a whole new group of people we can welcome in and share our expertise or share our products or whatever it might be. Uh, so for us, that's extremely exciting. And um, so that's why, yeah, and I'm also glad they're kind of counting the numbers properly. Uh, even though at the first glance it may seem depressing, it actually turns out to be extremely positive. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I think that that's going to be the, the norm going forward is, is we heard quality over quantity last year at Infocom. And to, to give folks kind of a, a, a benchmarker here, Infocom in 21 was about 7,7500 7, people, qualified attendees. Again, that was the number. Um, certainly uh, those of us who have gone to various trade shows, including NAB that both Epifan and PTZ Optics was at, that felt that I believe they, they had a number around 50, 55,000. Don't believe that they said qualified or not. 
so I think that we're we're slowly getting there, uh, and we're going to get getting back to, uh, as Brent said, our, our new version of normal, not back to the old one. So, uh, next story here comes to us from uh, AV Network and SCN at Infocom 2020. The Ames Alliance is uh, hosting its first ever interoperability demo. If you're not familiar with uh, what Ames is, uh, Ames and IPMX uh, is a new, uh, relatively new uh, uh, AV over IP solution. It is open standard, and it's going to have groups like Cisco. It's going to have Arista. It's going to have um, uh, Mackinac. It's going to have Matrox. Uh, I believe they said about 10 or 20 various manufacturers are going to have interoperability. Easy for me to say. Uh, on, on, at Infocom. Matt, we'll start with you with, uh, on this. Uh, PTZ Optics says a lot uh, when it comes to, to video over the network. You guys are, are use um, uh, NDI quite quite extensively. When you look at, at the Ames Alliance and what they're doing, uh, where does it sit in, in terms of the, the AV over IP uh, competing uh, standards? Um, for me at the moment, I'm more curious in, in watching it for a little bit longer. Um, I'm very excited about everything I read and have been reading about it. I think that the ideas presented are really exciting to allow this level of interoperability. However, I've heard the story a number of times before living in, you know, the pro AV industry. Um, so I usually, you know, like a lot of things, I don't install firmware when it first comes out. I like to wait, you know, a little bit. Um, same thing going on at the moment. I'm very intrigued. I'm excited. I love IP video in general. I think, you know, leveraging networks is something that AV should have been doing for about 15 years at least at this point. So it's just beautiful to see this finally coming about. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see actually if we achieve this interoperability because a lot of the times you get people saying, yeah, I've implemented it, but you didn't have this unique feature set. So I went and customized it for myself and the whole, you know, chain starts to break down. Um, so I'd just like to see a little buy-in with, with some big enough players saying, nope, we're, we're leaning into the standard. Oh, they got Cisco for crying out loud, Matt. <laughs> I mean, how much bigger do you want? <laughs> well, Cisco changes its mind quite often, too. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that reinforces Matt's point. I'm with Matt on this. I mean, I think, you know, I spent 10 years in software, so... I think open standard is the future for just about any kind of platform that where you need interoperability. Yeah. So I'd, I'd be happy to see it take off. It's all about adoption mm -hmm. and you know, it's, it's, it's all about adoption. <laughs> if people, if there's widespread adoption, then, you know, it's sort of like we all decided, we all decided that smartphones were a good idea. And so we're all using them. If, if, if we had decided they weren't, we wouldn't be, you know, if we, had, if people said, you know, I really like my Blackberry, I want to stay here, <laughs> then, you know, you would, Apple wouldn't have become what it's become and we wouldn't have, you know, folks with uh, smartphones in their pockets. So adoption is, is everything, but I'm all for open standards in every way. I think it helps industries grow and it helps, it helps, uh, it helps bring new players to the table. It puts pressure on established players which is good for my clients. So, I, and I was going to ask Brian, do you, cause you said there, it, you know, uh, if, if we need interoperability, you know, that we need interoperability, do we need it? But I think you just answered it there because it does put pressure on those established players because you've got the, the young startups coming up behind them and saying, Hey, here's something that might be newer, faster, better, stronger. 
Yeah, I saw a, um, you know, tangent but related. I saw a, a one of the uh, annual meetings for Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's company, and he showed a, a list of the top 10 companies in the world. And then he showed that list from like 15 years prior, and they were completely different companies. And, you know, you never know what the thing is that's going to be that turns markets upside down. But we should be, we should celebrate that because it's exciting and it's good. One of the things I, I tell my kids from time to time is, you know, somebody will eventually overtake Facebook, right? It will happen. Oh, yeah. Facebook is dead right now. Well, yeah. Let's face it. It's already dead. Um, I mean, it's been dead for a long time, really. It, 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 it has, but they still keep they still keep making money and they still have users, right? So it, it's but it's a zombie. Yeah. My MySpace is still making money, too. All right. George, you'll uh, finish up, up on this. What is what is uh, interoperability and, and open standards mean to you guys? Well, it's critical, I think, as everyone's already said. Um, interop and, and being open, I think, is, is pretty critical. Um, you know, for me, reading it on paper, it sounds interesting. I think a lot like Matt, it sounds great. But, you know, for us, you know, it, it's difficult. We have to choose. We can't always do everything, right? As a, as a manufacturer who makes encoders for live streaming and various other functions, right? We have to, we can't just include everything. That would be impossible. We have to choose. And, you know, one of the things we've seen, I'm, I'm looking at this and going, okay, so what is this adding above and beyond what we can do over standards that already exist, right? Like we've seen huge ramp up of adoption in the past three years on things like SRT. So what does this do that SRT doesn't? Um, and on paper, it looks like it might have some things, but are there people who are actually going to adopt it and utilize that or not? Um, I don't know. Some of the big trends we saw the past couple trade shows, and I'm sure Infocom is going to be exactly the same way, is all about the cloud. Can people integrate this into the cloud in a big way? And is it going to be usable? Um, and again, the buy-in, the buy-in, a buy-in. Again, speaking as a manufacturer, we held off joining the SRT Alliance for quite some time to watch it until it was clear that the momentum was so heavy that it was undeniable. Um, and now that alliance is massive. So if they're trying to build an alliance, that's great. But at some point, the, you know, for it to really snowball, they have to reach a certain level. And I don't see that it's quite there yet. Um, so yeah, like Matt, it's kind of a, a wait and see. It's great on paper. But there's so many of these standards now and you know whether you're making cameras or whether you're making encoders you gotta you gotta pick you can't you can't do it all so i have a, i have a question about that and this is a personal 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 um uh issue right with the the industry at large and i'll let you you know anybody here chime in is it a standard if if it's if it's directly tied to a manufacturer tied tied to a chip maker because the thing about Ames and the thing about AVB, Avenue Alliance, whichever version, I don't care. And, and we'll, I'll, I'll write something at some point pitching about them. Um, they are literally open standard, right? It's IEEE. These are, these are folks that don't really have a financial foot in this, as opposed to Dante, right? Dante is a private company, well, publicly traded company, but it's a, it's a, it's a manufacturer of chipsets, right? Um, and I'll, I can pick on various other ones. Um, is it really a standard if it's, if it's not, I guess, altruistic, I guess is where I'm, I'm getting all, all, all kind of doughy idea. Neutral. If it's not neutral. Yeah. I think, uh, no, I think you're actually bang on there, Tim. And, and again, I think that's why 
I'm going to harp on the SRT example a little bit more, but, you know, created by a company, but completely open sourced, right? Yeah. And so anybody who wants to implement it can go ahead and implement it. There's no licensing, there's nothing like that. But having a large, powerful company, and in that case, it's High Vision, saying this is the standard we want to promote, and we're starting at our level of the market, which is at the top of it, and mm -hmm. seeing if it filters down, um, adds a lot of weight, but it also they tried, the alliance was a big part of it. Like, let's get other people to buy in. Now, again, if they're trying to build a similar type of alliance, then that's great. Um, and that might be what's required to make it a standard. But you're right. I think there's a big difference between an open standard and a closed standard. And we need to be uh, specific. And if it's tied to hardware, to me, that's not an open standard at all. I was going to say, it's also the, the, I, the concept that, you know, a solution could be based on a standard. And the adoption of that solution will determine whether or not it becomes a widely accepted standard. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, last story actually comes to us from our website. I, I got a chance to, to interview uh, Justin Chong from uh, Jupiter Networks. I've known Jupiter back way back when when they were uh, tied to to uh, in focus. Uh, they've done processing for video, uh, good lord, for twenty or thirty years now. That's where I was introduced to them. However, this was interesting to me, and it kind of took me by surprise. They started creating and um, manufacturing displays, and they had one. And, and Brent, I'm going to start with you on this. They they were tying it in, in, in conjunction with Teams and Microsoft. It was a 21:9 aspect ratio display. Now, I don't want to get into the weeds on this, but understand the vast majority of you are either watching this or your TVs are on 16:9, right? That's that's 1920 by 1080. That's HD. I'm not going to get into 4K and the fake and the UHD, but the 16.9 is your aspect. It's 16 wide and it's nine high, right? 21.9 is slightly different than that. That's when you go to the to the to the cinemas, cinema, and that is typically a cinematic display. It, it is different, and it's slight. It, it's slight, but it's different. Bren, are, is this where we're? Are we going this direction? Or are we going this direction when it comes to certain software? Because what they were showing was. Teams and Microsoft is saying 21.9 is where we want you to display Teams because of the canvas, right? Because you've got more room. You've got this, that, and the other, and you can put chat here, and you can you can see more of, of the people. And, and if you're showing, you know, if you're sharing something on, on computer, but you can still see the people on their reaction, or is this just kind of our latest version of 3D? Oh, I don't know if it's the latest version of 3D. I don't think it even goes that far, you know? I, 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 it's a third order on four, three, right. right? So, and I seem to recall that there was 21, nine, like 15 years ago. And this is just, you know, going back to the future or something. It's Microsoft, you know, it's going to get adopted where people have teams adopted, which is a lot of places. Is it going to drive industry level? I can't say. I, it just, you know, Microsoft often does things that, um, they make particular choices for, and you don't necessarily see them end up being everywhere. All right, George. I'll just leave it sort of there. Uh, George, I was having this conversation with another industry friend this week, and uh, they made the comment. They said, "Yeah, and Microsoft also made the Zoom." Um, <laughs> so, and even though the Zoom, the Zoom was actually a better device than the iPod, it really, really was. <laughs> it was. But, you know, but it had, but again, Microsoft was marketing it. So people didn't know if you held one side by side and you didn't see the logo on them, you would have picked the Zoom every time. Especially, but anyway, especially on audio quality, just for the record. 
I think my version of yeah. that, that Tim is that I always pull out the, you know, the company that way made, you know, windows millennium, right? Because I remember that and, uh, that was a disaster. So, you know, it's, <laughs> I, but at the same time, looking at this as a user and someone who converted to using ultra wide displays a couple of years ago, um, you know, I looked at this Pana 34 that Jupiter has, and my instant reaction was, I want that. I want it. I don't care what it costs. I want it. I love the stand. I love the camera. I, like literally everything they've put into that particular model, I want that on my desk tomorrow. I won't get it, but I, it doesn't change the fact that I want it. And uh, so it's actually- I mean, I, I can page our, our head of sales and actually with Justin <laughs> if you'd like. I mean, But it's- you know, but funny anecdote, last fall when we were starting to pivot people more back into the office, we needed to re-equip things because we wanted people to be hybrid. So we wanted everything they took home from the office to stay in their home office and re-equip the office office with stuff. And I put it out to my team, our customer success team. And I said, hey guys, here's the list of stuff that we're authorized to take. Who wants multi 16.9 displays? Who wants ultra wides? Let me know. And it was about 50-50. But I would say that the people who didn't take ultra wides, as soon as they saw the ultra wides, regretted their decision, but it was too late. Um, and for me, it's about productivity. I love it. I absolutely love that format for productivity. I absolutely see where Microsoft is coming from in terms of using it within Teams. Um, it makes a lot of sense with everything else they've done. Um, the other day I was in a Teams meeting and someone turned on together mode and someone else, ah, this is stupid. What is this silly gimmick? And I was like, you know, there's studies showing that that's more engaging than the gallery. Mm -hmm. That's what this is all about. That, and for, so for me, it makes perfect sense. Um, reading through the specs, like I say, I love it and I want it. And I, and I get where Microsoft's coming from on this for sure. All right. Matt, we'll have, uh, have the last word on this. Does this, uh, does this make sense? I think it does. Um, you know, I, I would resonate with a lot of what I'm hearing here, but the thing that I saw immediately, um, and maybe a little bit less so with the smaller versions, the 105, 85, I see this a little bit more. Um, I think it's an excellent way for them to start introducing all these concepts around calm technology that companies like Google and Microsoft keep you know, they keep talking about, we don't really see any action, but the concept that things live in your peripheral vision and can notify you about what's actually going on without interrupting your call or you being in the middle of a speech starts to become very easy when you have a display that's 21.9. You truly can have things in that peripheral vision that act as beautiful notifications. All right. Well, that'll be a good place to stop. Thank you all so much. Uh, Bren Walker from Kierkegaard. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, how do people connect with you? They can reach me on email, bren at kierkegaard.com, uh, LinkedIn, Brenda J. Walker. And occasionally Twitter, Bren Walker AV. Especially on Sunday mornings during AV. <laughs> on Sunday mornings. On fun Sunday mornings dragged me back onto Twitter after like ditching it for seven years or something. And I am going to get I, you. I was well ahead of that fake account thing. I could have told Elon about that. <laughs> I, I am going to get you connected with uh, the, the illustrious Mr. Neto and let you beat him up for getting you back on Twitter. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, George, thank you so much, sir. Uh, how do people connect with you uh, or Epifan? Well, you can always find all things Epifan at epifan.com. Um, and you can find us on all those social places. We 
put out a lot of content on YouTube, um, you know, weekly webinars and things like that. So uh, check it out if you're interested in all the fun things that we do. And you can always uh, send us emails, info at epifan.com and things will reach me. Um, so yeah, follow along and see the future. All right. And Mr. Davis, thank you, sir. How do people connect with you or PTZ Optics? Yeah, so again, just like uh, George, ptzoptics.com is a great way to find all the sorts of information about our products. We have countless videos on YouTube, which you may or may not be aware of at this point. Um, and if you actually are trying to get a hold of me, reach out via any of the email addresses you find and just say you're looking for me. Okay. Uh, and you'll see both Epifan and PTZ Optics at, uh, at Infocom. You'll obviously see Bren uh, as well. Uh, you'll see me. Uh, but for me, don't, don't follow me on the Twitters. Uh, but go by the website if you would, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others. I, I mentioned the fact that Brian and I were at ISC last week. You will find all of our videos there at, uh, at avnation.tv. And then you'll find us previewing already uh, because by the time this posts, two weeks from now, <laughs> well, I'll be in Vegas uh, for Infocom. Uh, if you are a uh, an end user for AV uh, gear, if you're a tech manager, IT manager, in-house integrator, anything of the sorts, we've got all sorts of parties for you. We also have parties for you if you're if you are a manufacturer. But uh, the first couple, um, uh, AV Nation uh, Fuse, which is our end user uh, portal, uh, that is having an, a get together at the Ice Bar in Las Vegas from five to nine on Tuesday the 7th of June. You can sign up for that at avnation.tv. And then Wednesday is a free-for-all. Everybody in the industry is invited four to six uh, on the show. Well, just off the show floor in the West Hall. It is our annual Aviation uh, tweet-up uh, from four to six. So you can sign all, all up, up for all of those at avnation.tv and find all of our Infocom coverage and ISC coverage as well. So all that and more at avnation.tv. It's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>